Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And we welcome you to this edition of the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. I'm Eric Lopez. I'm not joined by Jeff Sharon. He's actually uh, uh, got a family matter, good family matters. He's going to be a dad for a second time. So congrats to him and his wife on that. they got a beautiful uh, baby arriving. But as a result, he beat Scott Frost, by the way, because Scott Frost is actually due to be a dad as well real soon. So uh, Jeff beat, decided to beat him out, I guess. You know, you're going no, up-tempo. But uh, no, have no fear. We're, we got a great program ahead for you. I'm joined by a UCF alum, Victor Anderson, who has was a longtime UCF broadcaster? Actually, was the original voice of UCF softball. Wait, wait, wait! This ain't in a circle. What, in in what, the circle, what, a very what? successful softball podcast that him and I co-host on a weekly basis. We encourage you to uh, definitely subscribe to that, especially you softball fans. Uh, but many UCF fans, softball fans, know Vic. Obviously, he's a longtime softball voice when they're in the A Sun with Matt Dunaway before uh, some other guy took over. Uh, so he will be filling in as our producer and co host for today's episode. We'll be joined by Brian Murphy, our very own, to talk about UCF football going to play Navy. And Scott Frost and his future keeps coming up. And hey, let's bring, give us money to keep him. We'll discuss that uh, as much, much more. So, uh, of course, you can check us out on Twitter on Black and Go Banneret. Uh, as well as on Eric Lopez. Where can they find your fine work? They can find me at Catbird Red if you want to follow me on Twitter, if you have nothing else to do with uh, your time between uh, UCF football games or anything related to the uh, to UCF athletics in general. But uh, it's a, it's it's an interesting week to uh, be on here. Uh, UCF coming going to Annapolis uh, to take on Navy Saturday afternoon, 3.30. In Annapolis, yes. Yes. The Knights coming off that big dominant win over East Carolina. Uh, Now take on the midshipmen. Navy coming off the loss to Memphis. We'll break that game down. We'll talk about UCF women's soccer back home. And I wrote on Black and Gold Banneret that they, not football, is the top team on campus. We'll talk about that and, and much, much more. Let's bring in our other co-host of this program. He's Well, he filled in for me a couple of weeks ago. I appreciated him doing that. And that's our very own Brian Murphy. All right, Murph, uh, glad you're back with us. Uh, I know you filled in for me a couple weeks ago. You're filling in this week for Jeff. Uh, and as I mentioned at the Open, uh, Jeff decided to just beat Scott Frost to, uh, you know, getting that baby out and becoming a dad. Uh, he'll become a dad for a second time. I know Scott Frost, he's due to be a dad here real shortly, and I guess Jeff decided to beat him out, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the only competition that Jeff Sharon could beat Scott <laughs> Frost in. But it's it's not not a bad one, and uh, – 
it sounds like everybody's doing well, and that's the best. That's news. the best exciting news from. Uh, so we're excited for him on that. All right, Murph, let's get into the football team. I don't even want to discuss the East Carolina game. You know, sometimes uh, the, the, first of all, East Carolina was, is an abysmal team right now. They're they're yeah. the, as I mentioned, I think on social media and on the blog. Uh, on Saturday night when I was at the game, they remind me a lot of what UCF was two years ago when they were winless. So I don't really the, – mm-hmm. the only thing I do want to bring up that I think goes into the Navy game, UCF did get gashed a little bit by East Carolina in the running game. And East Carolina's not that good mm-hmm. of a running game. And I, I know, look, I, you know, they got gashed a little bit against Cincinnati. And, again, they were up big, and you could say that, look, they had the score kind of dictated some things, and they were playing against the pass. But as we look forward to this game at Navy, how confident are you at this front seven stopping Navy's run? Because, look, it's it's not – you know that's what Navy's going to do. They're going to run with the triple option. They're going to run with the quarterback. They're going to run with the running game. The big It's going to come down to can that front seven and, and that defensive line hold up against Navy? Yeah, and I think there's a couple things that weigh in UCF's favor here. One, they have been seeing the triple option, at least in practice, since the spring. Because, you know, they were preparing for Georgia Tech uh, early in the year, who runs the same offense. Paul Johnson comes from Navy. And so they were preparing for that game months ago. And even you know they knew they had two triple option offenses on their schedule. So they've been sort of preparing for this for months. Um, but still, it's a, there's a difference between like, preparing for it in practice and trying to stop Scott Frost as your scout team quarterback, which is a true story, because Scott Frost is running triple option in practice against his own defense right now, and actually going out there and stopping the team that does it, and the team that's been doing it forever. Um, I, you know, they, they say all the good things, all the cliches about you got to trust your teammates, you got to be disciplined and have good gap integrity, you can't overrun plays. Um, but I, I would say that I am a little nervous to see how this works. I, I don't. I I am worried about how UCF can get over their, those cut blocks that Navy does. And um, you know, I, I don't take too much stock in how the run defense wasn't complete shutdown great against Cincinnati and, and and ECU because of what you said. Like they were really big leads, and I think the defense was was kind of just playing back. Um, but against Navy having to see that 65 times a game and having, and having your defense on the field for 40 minutes a game because that's what Navy does, um, I am a little wary to see how this defense holds up. Well, and a lot of that is their offense could really help them out. If UCF's offense continues to click like they've been clicking, well, the defense, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that might help them out. But if UCF gets some three and outs, if they turn the ball over, because Navy in the past, what makes Navy unique is their defense is not like this, you know, juggernaut of a defense. What they are, they're opportunistic. They depend on making plays, uh, forcing teams into field goals, ter- forcing turnovers. That's how they beat Houston, for example, last right. year when they had knocked upset Houston in a very similar situation. So, uh, that's a couple of keys is UCF protecting the football and not putting your defense in a spot where they're constantly, uh, you know, clearly you're right. Navy's going to want to have this game control the time of possession, but more importantly, control the number of plays. I think Navy would like to be, you know, 60, 70 plays, 80 plays, keep UCF's offense to about 40 to 50, uh, mm-hmm. if possible, to have a shot here and wear down UCF's defense, kind of like what we saw at times last season with this defense against the Temple game, for example. When Temple came back in the second half, the defense wore out at times in the second half, and they lost some close games because of it. You know, and you look at Navy, they've got the second fewest uh, takeaways of any team in, in the AC. Uh, meanwhile, you know, UCF ranks, 
uh, second in the conference, I think top five in the nation in turnover margin. The turnover is going to be huge because while you don't want to give while you don't want to give UCF extra possession because you know they're probably going to score, UCF needs to take advantage of every possession they have and value it and treasure it because they don't know how many times they're going to get the ball. Uh, like you said, so I think again, turnovers is a huge deal. Another thing that's a huge deal that is worth watching. We talk a lot about third down defense. Um, you know, you got to make third down stops, which UCF has been very good at this year. They have slipped in that area a couple of times in the last two weeks, but generally, very good third down defense. But more so than that, trying to limit Navy to like second and seven or longer, uh, and, and trying to like really keep them to short games on first down and second down. So that they can't get in but third and three or third and four. Because if you put Navy in third and three or third and four, odds are this is probably going to pick it up. You really need to stop them on the early downs, on first and second downs. That's going to have more of an impact on how this game goes than actually the third down defense stop. And kind of to your point, Murph, where you talk about how UCF has to value every possession because of that very ball control, triple option offense for Navy. Do you see UCF maybe trying to slow down the offense just a little bit at times to try to help out their defense, especially after Navy goes on a 15, 16 play drive that chews up nine minutes of the clock? Absolutely, because not only are you keeping UCF's offense on the field, you're keeping that defense on the field, and they want that defense to be tired. I mean, they want to wear that defense down. Uh, I think it was the quote of the week came from Jemias Pittman. I asked him, I said, are you ready for a rough and tumble game against Navy and all the cut blocks they do and, and, all, and you know, this game's going to be one of the trenches. Are you ready for that sort of game? And he said, I don't expect to come out walking this game if that's what you're asking. I mean, he knows, I mean, they all know that this is going to be a rough game and that Navy's going to do everything they can to keep that defense on the field. Um, conditioning's going to be a big deal. But like you said, uh, you know, it accomplishes two things. You keep the offense off the field. You keep that high-scoring offense off the field, the best offense in the nation, arguably. And you wear down that defense. And then if that happens, maybe he's got this game where they want it. I said this on social media, and some people didn't like it. But I, I do think one thing that concerns me with you, te- you're blowing these teams out. But I don't care who you are in college football. Every team always has a couple of games where they face adverse uh, adversity situation. Yeah. And this team hasn't, quite honestly. I mean, they have been dominant. Mm-hmm. If you want to say that the Maryland game, I don't even – I was there. That was not an adverse situation. Heck, there was nobody in the stands that were Maryland fans. Mm-hmm. This this will be a very difficult home, probably their first real adverse road game. I don't think Cincinnati was an adverse cr- uh, crowd game. Navy will be. I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if this team got punched in the mouth and see how they react. And that's what I'm curious about. What happens when this team gets punched in the mouth um, – because we haven't seen that yet, and to be honest with you, Murph, I don't want to wait till Black Friday to find that out. So maybe I, this would not be a bad game to find that out. Not suggesting that they are going to lose if they don't get, but I do want to know how this team reacts if they face some adverse situation. I think you're right, and I think, and not just matters to everybody. Um, I thought it was interesting. At least I thought it was interesting that it, yeah, UCF opened up as a six and a half point favorite in this game, and is now up to a seven and a half point favorite in this game. Uh, if I had to bet, I would sort of probably put my money on Navy. I think this is going to be a really, really tough game. I, I think that, yeah, I think you're right. I think UCF needs a game. Not that they need a game, but they're going to have a game this year. They're not going to roll. They're not going to just rampage over everybody. They're going to have a game this year. Either it's now or maybe in a couple of weeks against SMU in Dallas or that Black Friday game against the Bulls. 
But they're going to have a game where they need to bow up in the fourth quarter, you know, up or down by three or seven points. And we don't know how that, how that looks. Um, I think it could happen this week, and I really do. I'm, I'm really interested to see how this, how this team performs under some circumstances. If Navy's homecoming, just the energy in that stadium is going to be pretty electric. Uh, and, I, I, you know, I, I, uh, I would be surprised if UCF won this game by double digits. I'll just say that flat out. Wow. Uh, and, and look, I mean, as much as criticism, and rightfully so, and people have criticized the USF football schedule, the one thing I will say, they have faced adversity already this season. That The, mm-hmm. the, the opener against San Jose State, they were down, what, was 17-0? 17 nothing? 17 nothing. They were, they yeah. were struggling against Stony Brook they all were, the way through the fourth quarter. In the second half, and, and, you know, people, you know, and they struggled. I do think that could help a football team down the road to be tested like that. Again, I'm not – look, if UCF blows out Navy, that's, I'm not saying that, uh, that, you know, get the pedal, but I am concerned moving forward or at some point. It could be this weekend, like you said. I think Navy's a prime candidate for that because Navy play – you know, if they're executing, they will limit possessions and put pressure on the offense to be efficient, and that's what makes Navy so difficult, just like uh, Georgia Tech, because they shorten the game. That's how they like to do that. It might yeah. be at SMU. It could come at Temple. We know it's going to come at Black Friday. It's going to come at Black mm-hmm. Friday, and I think it would be good for this team – if they get challenged a little bit and see how they react so they get them prepared for that monster game that's looming on Black Friday because here's the reality of this. Um, as big of a game as this is with Navy, if UCF loses to Navy, it's not the end of the world because they could still win out and win the conference championship and still get the all-access ball, in my opinion. So because the mm-hmm. way the league is set up with currently three teams in the top 25, Navy was just in the top 25, and they're a very, very well-respected program and very respected team. So um, that that's going to be, to me, one of the things I will look for uh, today to see how that run defense reacts and what happens if this team is trailing and they need to convert a big third down. Uh, it's going to come, whether and you believe it will come with Navy – um, mm-hmm. You know, Navy's weird to me because I, so? I've watched them a lot this year. They're on Showtime every week. They have a thirty-minute show. This is not a ver- this is not as good of a Navy team as they've had in the past with Reynolds at quarterback. Um, right, but they're well coached, and you mentioned it, Murph. They're at home. It's their homecoming. It it uh, it. This is not about talent. This is about execution and technique and discipline. And uh, it's good. I'm very interested to see how this team reacts. So you think that UCF will be challenged? Do you think it's a high-scoring game? Do you think it's a 34-30 game? What do you expect to see on Saturday? Yeah, I think. I, well, I mean, it's, I guess it's kind of like it's, it's high-scoring still because it'll be in the 30s. But for UCF, that's not really high-scoring anymore. Right. Like that's actually below the well below the average. So yeah, I think it'll be like in the 30s. But I don't think you'll see either team hit 40. Although you've seen that in some Navy games this year when they played Air Force, it was 48-45. But I think you see both, both teams below 40, which for UCF would, would be a downgrade. Um, and, you know, just, just one end point that you can point to and you can take in stock or not in it. But in Navy's last five games, we've had, we've had margins in Navy's last five games of 2, 10, 10, 3, and 3. Uh, again, I just don't see this, this UCF team being able to blow out Navy because Navy just doesn't allow you to do that. Oh, one thing I was watching, I was watching Navy play last week against Memphis, similar offense that they'll be facing with UCF this week. And I felt that Memphis started to wear the Navy defense down with all the plays that they ran in the second half. Uh, is that going to benefit Navy, knowing that they played a similar offense in Memphis and helping them prepare for UCF this week? 
Maybe a little bit, but I don't think you can really compare Memphis to UCF offensively. I mean, there are things that Memphis does that are dangerous. They've got a mobile quarterback who can throw it. We've seen it. We saw it. We, we were supposed to see it until it turned into a, a blowout in the second half here in Orlando. But UCF is a different animal. Uh, I would say that, that while Memphis is a decent primer, it's not, it's not UCF. This, I mean, I'll write this later this week. I've thought, I, I thought for a couple weeks this is the best UCF team ever. I think this is better than the Fiesta Bowl team. I think they're more talented. Um, so we'll see. But I, I, I think it would be close, but I, don't think, anything, I, don't think they're, I still think they're much better than Memphis. I, I think this is something that Navy really hasn't seen in total. Well, if UCF blows out Navy, uh, Scott Frost's uh, stock cont will continue to rise, and it might be an expensive excellence uh, fund that UCF has just started, <laughs> opened up this week. Uh, you know, for those that don't know, the, the the interesting story that's come out this week is that the, the school will now tr will raise money more than 1.5 million a year from donors for the school's quote football excellence fund. Uh, <laughs> Can we, we just call it what it is and say, how keep Scott Frost at UCF fun? That's Victor Anderson, ladies mm -hmm. and gentlemen. Yes. Uh, Murph, your reaction to that, um, to this fund that's coming out? I find It's been interesting. I see Tony Dungy tweeting like how Scott Frost is not about the money and that Nebraska blew their chance. And I, I see a lot of stuff going out there, but yet some mixed feelings. I mean, if it's not about money, why are we doing an excellence fund? It's very interesting to me. But nonetheless, your thoughts on uh, as you heard of this coming out. I want to know like how, like who was in a room when they thought of that name and how they wanted to cover this up. Like like Victor's got it right. It is what it is. But we we can't make it sound like that. So it'll be called <laughs> the excellence fund. Oh, that that's perfect. It's perfect. Um, you know, this isn't all about Frost. Either. This is about keeping his assistants yeah. too and expanding the pool. For his assistants, which is yeah, again very, very important. I mean, uh, the, the defensive guy, the defensive uh, players talk about Eric Shenander every week about what he's done for this defense. Uh, he's very crucial. There's a lot of assistant coaches who are very crucial to this team right now. So it's not just for Frost, but at least you know, well, we, you know, we, we know what it is. And at least UCF's making an effort to because they know they know they need to open up the wallet for Frost and his coaches if they want to keep this thing going. Because they know the wolves will be at, well, then they know the wolves will be out at the end of the year, whether it be Nebraska or Tennessee. Both those teams certainly be looking for new head coaches, uh, and, and they know they're, they're, they're coming after their boy, and uh, they need to pay up. I thought it was interesting in which you know Mike Bianchi, the Orlando Sentinel, uh, the title of his article, or the title of his column about this excellence fund uses the phrase "preemptive financial strike." Basically, it's a war. It's going to turn into a war at this point. It's a war over Scott Frost, uh, and that's what we have. But here's the thing. I mean, we could raise; they could raise all the money they want at the Excellence Fund. At the end of the day, if a Power Five school wants a coach, they're gonna they're gonna get them because they could pay. They could mm -hmm. they could rally. You know, if Tennessee or Nebraska really want them, they'll go higher if they have to. Now, I will say yeah. this: you make a great point, and I think this is the thing I've learned about Coach Frost. He's very loyal to that staff, and the staff's loyal to him. And he will. Mm -hmm. And that's not that's not talk. That what you brought up. He definitely wants his staff to get taken care of. In fact, when he recently just got in a, uh, an extension at UCF, one of the things they highlighted was that the staff got a bump as well. That's a big part yep. of this, and I, I do agree with you. I don't think this is as much about how much he was going to make. It's about what his staff will make, and that's going to be a big, just as big of a decision because you know whatever he decides to do, and I think you would agree, Murph, he's really at, a, at no pun intended, Vic, the catbird seat. Yeah, no pun um, intended. He can do whatever he wants right now. He's got every option imaginable that he can do. If he wants to go to his alma mater, become a savior, he probably can do that. If he says, you know what, 
I'd rather go to an SEC school like Tennessee, maybe Auburn if that opens up. Texas and A&M. A&M or whatever. In the SEC, if I want to go there, I can wait and get that milk, be in line for that job. Joe Clatt mentioned him for the Tennessee job. If he wants to go West Coast, he could go UCLA, I think is going mm-hmm. to open up. Uh, maybe some other Pac-12 jobs could open up there as well, et cetera, et cetera. My point is options are going to be there. If he wants to stay, he could stay and get an, a bump in the raise and maybe wait for a future job. Um, you know, He's got a lot of options here. He's at the leverage position, and I don't think there's a decision that he will make regardless of the decision he makes. I don't think there's a wrong decision. He, he can't go wrong, can he? Uh, probably not. I think if you're, if you're a, a really, really biased UCF fan, yeah, well. you could probably make, you could feel, you know, you could probably make arguments against, like, why would you want to go to Nebraska? They're sort of, you know, like, they're living in the past. Why would you want to go play for the SEC? Why would you want to go coach the SEC for as long as Nick Saban is still coaching the SEC? Uh, why would you want to go to the Big Ten uh, when you've got all those teams uh, stacked up there with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan? But the fact is, like those teams can still pay more, and if that's what matters, then 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 that that will be a big turning point. Uh, on the other side of it, though, if Frost decides to stay here, he could sort of become what Chris Peterson was at like Boise State, right? And make really, as much as what George O'Leary did for this program, this program could become Scott Frost. It would be his program. It would be his legacy that he put them on the track of of being perennially competitive and very, very good. Um, my concern is, and I, I and I've said this earlier this week, uh, was if UCF runs the table and goes undefeated, what would then Scott Frost have left to accomplish in a non-Power 5 conference school? And I know, you know Brandon Helwig said to me, and he's right, that most college, co- most college coaches get hired you know, in December. So if UCF was running the table... You know, Frost couldn't take another job, you know, while he's planning for a bowl game. Well, he could do like Tom Herman. He could do it like Tom Herman at Texas and like bail, uh, bail on his team before the bowl game. Um, but I understand the point that, like, you know, it, it, you know if he's preparing for a bowl game, he may not have his sights set on a new coaching job. But the fact is, if they do go undefeated, he really wouldn't have much left to accomplish a non power conference school. And that, that does worry me a little bit. I do agree with you, and I respectfully disagree with Brandon. Urban Meyer took a Utah team that was undefeated, took the Florida job, but still coached the Fiesta Bowl um, mm-hmm. as an example of that. So, I, I in yeah. fact, um, help me out here. Didn't yes. um, last year, or boy, P.J. Fleck. P.J. Fleck. Didn't the, he coach the Cotton Bowl? Now, now, that was different because he was still the, – the Minnesota job was still open wink, 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 wink. when he was coaching right, at Western Michigan uh-huh. in the Cotton Bowl. Right, sure. Uh-huh. What are you trying to say, Lopez? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had no idea. Yeah, there was no agreement there. No, no, no. Just, you know, whatever. Whatever you say, Vic. Santa Claus. Um, I mean, uh, on, a lesser Vic, scale, on a lesser scale, you can talk about Lane Kiffin. Yeah. You know, sort of being courted while he was preparing uh, for the National Championship game. The, uh, the reason, by the way, I was joking about teasing Vic a little bit there. I'll, I'll tell you this story real brief. Uh, a couple years ago when the Michigan job was open, uh, I got it through a source that Jim Harbaugh was going there, that that was a done deal. That was during the NFL season. And if you remember, uh-huh. Michigan didn't – there was no you – know, they didn't – they kept the job open. Everybody's like, what, they're, what are they doing? And people are like, no, Harbaugh ain't going to leave. He's not going to leave the NFL during the season. Well, of course not. What they did was they had a deal done. 
but they waited until the 49er season ended, which was at the end of the regular season, and then magically that week he got named the head coach. So my point is, just because the job is, quote, open. Doesn't mean it's actually and, open. And, and the Minnesota job is an example, you know, and Stasis, you know, people talk behind scenes. and They have can, advocates. So my point is, things could happen. Like, Scott Frost can coach the bowl game if he wants to, if he decides. And, but I will say this. You, you asked the question, what is he is there left for him to accomplish? And I think it's a valid point because you saw what happened with Tom Herman. He took Houston in his first year to the All-Access Bowl. Took had this magical year. And then what happens is the expectations go up, and it's hard to match. So what happens is, oh, the next year they lose to Navy. Well, what's wrong with the program? Oh, my good. So that you're right. You're in a lose-lose situation if you move long-term. The counter to that, though, is there's no pressure here at UCF. He, yeah. Scott Frost can win nine games. You can win nine games a year here and get a statue. We've proven that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, just, yeah. just avoid going winless. More than once, um, so or twice. Uh, so, but the, my point is, he could wait for that perfect job. I mean, you mentioned Chris Peterson is an interesting example because he turned down a lot of jobs at Boise State yep. until Washington. He took the Washington job. So, who's to say that? How he, about you know? How about even Greg Marshall in college basketball yes. with Utah State? I mean, he he hasn't left. Right. And I think it's I think it's really good for not only that program, but for Greg Marshall, it's like. He has a legacy. He has developed a legacy at that program. Wichita State is Greg Marshall. Scott Frost, or UCF could be Scott Frost if he stays. Yes. We don't know. Agreed, but here's the big difference. At college basketball, Greg Marshall can get to the Final Four and win a national title. Scott Frost cannot yeah. do that right now at UCF at football because of the system the way it is. UCF could go undefeated yeah. this year, next year, and they're not going to sniff the playoffs. I'm sorry. That's yeah, not going to happen. Right. It's the system the way it is, and that's why I think a lot of coaches leave in college football to go to Power 5 jobs than they do say in basketball. And by the way, you mentioned Marshall. Look out, because I think Louisville is going to go after him. And the rumors, to your point, even Greg Marshall, who's been there, the rumors will not stop. Even if Scott Frost stays this year, there's always going to be jobs. And I'm going to give you another a job. Let me ask you this scenario, because you were just there a couple weeks ago, and you know how things are going up there. What's to say next Scott Frost decides to stay this year and says, you know what, Don't I you? like it here in, in the state of Florida. I can recruit. I like the weather. Oh, hey, there's a job that opens two hours away from here in Gainesville a year from now. Yeah. Which is what happened, yeah. by the way, with Tom Herman. Herman waited for Texas. Now, he was a grad assistant under Mac Brown, but he, he was able to stay in the state where he, loved, he was knocking it out of the park recruiting. All he had to do was move from Houston to Austin. Yeah, it that, that that wouldn't that that would really stick. That would really stick in our claw, wouldn't it? Oh my goodness! I, I, Scott Frost, Scott Frost would turn heel so quickly. <laughs> wow! Yes, yeah, wrestling, another wrestling term. We that's like Seth Rollins turning on the shield. But he has that right. <laughs> yes! Wow, that's very good. Very good, Vic. Very well. Well, well done, boys. Well done. Look, he has the options to do any of that, and that's the beauty. Right now, it's good to be Scott Frost. It is. He's got the leverage. And I support any decision he makes. And I think, you know, yeah. I, I think he's got a lot of great options. Now, I, also, I would also say to UCF fans, like, I know they want loyalty and they think that, that, that their coach should stay with them because right. he loves them and everything. Scott Frost can make the best decision for Scott Frost and his family, and we should be okay with that. Really well, we saw that with the last coach. The last coach went to the Fiesta Bowl. 
and two years later he goes winless. We want him out of here. They, they wanted him out of there. Yeah. So it could change in one minute. Uh, you know, I mean, Scott Frost, everybody loves him now, but let's say UCF is losing two, three games. I guarantee you, people are going to be like screaming, "Oh, why?" We, we? They were saying that Mackenzie Milton with his performance at the Cure Bowl. Mackenzie Milton, right? We need a new quarterback. We need a new quarterback. This guy's not going to cut it. Well, he turns out he's cutting it. So things we change. Some, we have some breaking news. College football fans are slightly irrational. Wow. <laughs> More in the next yeah. edition of Back and Go Better in Podcast. Uh, that's correct. <laughs> that's correct. Uh, real quick, uh, we mentioned college basketball, UCF men's basketball. Uh, they had their media day in conference. They'll have their local media media day next week on all that. They uh, It was released today on many social platforms, the new basketball court. Uh, Yuri, have you seen the new basketball court? I have. And? Yes. Uh, as a writer... I think I just I think of like really cheap puns that come in, into my brain right away. Like you know, if it's an up and down season, it's oh, it's a roller coaster season. You know, if they go if they go back if they go to the NCAA tournament and win a game, you can talk about like what a ride this is. It's been like an amusement park ride. I mean, the puns, the puns are endless. So yeah, I don't mind the design. I actually like the design better than the the sort of Neapolitan black and black and gold court. I thought that was always ugly. Um, and uh, so it sort of seems like where we're going now with college basketball. Everybody's got like these, these like, yeah. like stencilist designs on courts. Um, and it's fine. I'm fine with it. I'm very cool. It kind of tells you what Orlando's about. We're about roller coasters and amusement parks, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Isn't that what WrestleMania was this year? Yes. Right. No comment. It, 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 was, it was the ultimate thrill ride. That's Don't right. That. I so never heard that. Uh, yes. Yeah, so maybe you see a bat. Can you see a basketball be the other ultimate, you know, thrill ride? Well, pump the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll get into that next week in the future when we get more into basketball talk. Last thing before I let you go. I wrote about this, and I know you saw it, uh, Black and Go Banneret, right now, UCF women's soccer. I, I call them the best team on campus. As good as the football team is right now, women's soccer, is, to me, is still the best team on campus. Look what they've done. They are destroying teams. They just destroyed LSU 4 nothing. a team that's going to go to the NCAA tournament out of the SEC. Uh, they're they're mm -hmm. crushing people by average scores in their last six wins, like four nothing, which in soccer is unheard of. That's almost like winning sixty to nothing in football every week. They have the twentieth hardest schedule in the country. They're seven ranked in the polls. They're number five in the RPI. Murph, the Nat the College Cup, which is the women's version of the Final Four in women's soccer, is. In our backyard in downtown Orlando at the new Orlando City. Beautiful downtown Orlando. Get it right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, Vic. And, and as I mentioned this with Jeff last week on the podcast, if UCF is trying to play themselves not only to win the regular season title in the conference and the tournament, but try to get themselves a one seed, which I wrote in the article right now, they could be a one seed throughout the NCAA tournament. There's four one seeds that get rewarded. And if they do that, they get to host every NCAA tournament game, which will be a good path where they don't even have to take a flight or a bus ride outside of a bus ride on maybe until the College Cup. So um, this team has been remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, and, and when, even even like the most recent game. So we know they beat we know they beat uh, North Carolina, and the only game they lost to was to South Carolina, who's the number one team right now. And and even the LSU team, who they flashed in Baton Rouge last last week, weren't they like twenty twentieth or twenty first? They had a twenty seven RPI. Game? They had a twenty seven RPI going into that game, and they were receiving votes. Yeah, and not anymore because they got crushed. <laughs> right, and then UCF went in there and yeah, crushed them. I think I think the most astounding fact that I found reading that, and you know, again, if you don't, 
if you really care about football and basketball at UCF, you don't really understand the consistent dominance and success of this of this women's soccer team. Now, by the end of this season, as Eric wrote in this in this article, uh, in the last 19 years, they will have 15 NCAA appearances. Uh, that is tremendous, and that's with a coaching change uh, and, and new recruits, and it's just they keep rolling. And now we're looking, it's like not, like not only the best team on campus, but perhaps the best UCF women's soccer team of all time. Uh, it's tremendous. It's great. They've been tremendous, uh, and they've got a shot to win a national title, and they got a shot to do a lot of great things. And the big thing, though, the big takeaway – uh, and, and I wrote about it too. The tradition. I mean, this team has been successful. It's the most. Uh, it make the NCAA tournament the most of all the major sports on campus. And to me, there mm-hmm. we are soccer school from that standpoint. And Coach Sahedek, that's significant because you know they missed the NCAA tournament last year. You know she she got to the NCAA tournament the first uh, you know a few years that she arrived. But people said, well, she got that with Cromwell's players. Well, this is her team. This is her team. Yep. And uh, boy, uh, she's built a monster team here. They they come back home this weekend. So I encourage people to come out. Out and support that soccer team, which I think is uh, is very special. All right, Murph, we know you got to go. Uh, tell the audience what they can expect from you this week on the Black and Go Banneret and where they can find you. Well, you can find on the Black and Go Banneret. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> BlackandGoBanneret.com. I'll be writing my preview for Navy at UCF. That'll be up tomorrow, and I believe I'm finally going to get around to writing my article this week about why this 2017 UCF football team is the best ever even better than the 2013 Fiesta Bowl winner. I wish we had time to break that down. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll convince Jeff to, um, I don't know, have another kid and take more time off. I don't know. <laughs> uh, time will tell on that. We kid, we care. We kid because we care. Murph, thanks a lot for all the help, and uh, Bud, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Elon and Victor, thank you so much. All right. Brian Murphy joining us there, Vic. Uh, women's soccer, again, uh, people are gonna, you know, give me grievances. Oh, you know, it's mostly by people that go to like six football you know, games a year and they don't know anything about the other sports going on in UCF. Well, but, of course, uh, they're tremendous. Uh, with Morgan Ferreira, uh, the goal scorer, eleven score, they they got uh, they got balanced. They everywhere. have everything. They, they have scoring. Do. They have defense. Yeah. They have great goaltending. They have deep. They have a deep bench, and they have a coach who knows what they can do and puts them in the best positions to maximize. Their potential. Look, man, I'm going to try and go out to one of these games towards hey, the end of the season hello. because it, it, it's actually going to be refreshing to see a soccer team in Orlando contend for a championship in the city, beautiful. And well, I get well, to see Well, the Pride did. Well, yeah, I know, but they, they lost in the semifinal. But they, but still. <laughs> That's right. But still. Well, you got some. Uh, you got a few more opportunities. They're home this weekend. They uh, Thursday night. They'll host Connecticut, the defending tur- tournament champions. That's not going to be. I, I, we'll see. I mean, Connecticut I, has given them problems in the past. Then they host Temple on Sunday. The one that you want to circle, Friday, October twenty seventh. It's lurking. USF. That could be for the conference. USF's only one point back of UCF in the standings in women's soccer. Just like football, it's going to co- probably come down to that match. Now, Cincinnati this past weekend had a draw against Memphis, and what that means is UCF kind of controls his own destiny to win the conference outright. But even if they have to share the conference title with, say, Cincinnati or USF, uh, uh, if they draw with USF, let's say, or something like that, or whatever, with Cincinnati, they would have the tiebreaker because the tiebreaker, if it's not head-to-head because they tied with Cincinnati, UCF did earlier this year, would be goal differential, which UCF is a huge lead. They're like plus 20-something yeah. in goal differential. So uh, those are the three uh, m- you know, games left at home for them. And after that, 
maybe they get to host a conference tournament. If they win the regular season title, they would host a conference yeah. tournament. And then after that, who knows? I think they'll definitely host the first round. And the way they're going, they'll probably host the second and third round, which is that sweet 16 round. And then, as I mentioned, it depends on what – if they're a one seed – they get to host a quarterfinal game if they get that far. Yeah. If they're a two seed, they would have to go on the road in the quarterfinal. That's why that's the difference. But a lot of soccer still to be played. A lot of do, and they'll tell you that. And it starts with Connecticut. They they got to beat you know they got Connecticut, Temple, and USF uh, to go there. Big win for men's soccer. They beat the defending conference uh, champ tournament champions in Tulsa this past Sunday. Big win for them. They're in the mix. For, to finish in the top four in the men's soccer standings, that's significant because the top four make the conference tournament. And uh, they go to UConn this weekend. And, Vic, you and I actually just saw UConn men's soccer Friday night in a game that was on the American Digital Network. They played in Tampa. It was a showdown between the two undefeateds in the conference. And UConn took it to them, scoring two quick goals, and they beat uh, USF 2-0. I know you and I, when we were talking in the car, were very impressed with yeah. UConn, and you were impressed with their goalie. The goaltending for UConn, I think that's going to be the reason why UConn's going to – I think UConn's going to win the men's championship. They still haven't given up a goal, by the way, in conference. By the, yeah, in spite that tremendous scorpion kick by USF in the 86th yeah. minute, where they were trying to make a late rally. Look, uh, the midfield for UConn is probably one of the best in the conference, and that's going to – that and their goaltending, that's going to be the reason for them to get themselves in position to win the American Conference – on the men's side of things. I really am intrigued, though, Eric. If UCF does get into that top four, they may have to play UConn. To sure. A ch this is really a ch chance for them to see where they stack up among the tops in the league. It's a big one. Um, you, know, you look at the standings right now in the conference. You have UConn at the top, USF and SMU, which is playing some good men's soccer. Temple and UCF fighting it out for that four spot. Obviously, a lot of soccer to go. I only bring that up because UCF will host Temple. On the 28th, a game that is scheduled to be on the American Digital Network. So, uh, But that's good for Scott Calabrese. His first year there, trying to build some momentum. They played well at home. If they can get to the conference tournament, anything can happen. And so that's what you're trying to do if you're the men's soccer team. Women's volleyball mixed bag this past weekend at home. They uh, swept UConn women's volleyball on Friday night, last Friday, 3-0. But then had a two-set lead against Temple, Vic but lost in five sets to Temple. I joked with somebody at the football game on Saturday about, hey, look, just prepare for a five-setter because that's all these two teams know how to do, play five-setters. I called one of their matches last year, UCF and Temple. It's the third straight meeting that the match goes five-set. This one's a harder pill to swallow, though, for UCF. Vic, yeah. you are the volleyball. For people that don't know, Vic's expertise is in volleyball. He calls locally Rollins Volleyball. You used to call UCF Volleyball when I was There you here. go. You were there, what, Meg Colado days? Meg Colado, uh, Piper Morgan, Jenny Frank, Hall of Famer Jenny, Jenny Frank. Jenny Frank, which was at, who was at the alumni game. Yes. Uh, weekend, uh, they, the Connecticut match was like their big alumni deal. Mm -hmm. She was there. I noticed that. Tanya Jarvis. You Tanya Jarvis. You coach at Bishop Moore. Yes. Um, so you know your uh, volleyball expertise is well-known um, from that standpoint. Tough loss at home against a good Temple team, which is very good on the road. Yeah. But still, what's it like? It doesn't matter who you are. Uh, when you have a two-set lead and lose, that's that's as hard as – it's probably the most gut-wrenching loss in volleyball. I would almost argue you're, you'd rather lose in three. You probably get swept. Right? Am I right on that? They get dominated. As weird yeah, as that sounds. Yep. Yeah. Because when you lose that third set – that doubt really starts to creep in. And if you don't start strong in set four and it's a back-and-forth set and then they go ahead one or two points, that doubt starts to creep in your mind. You're like, oh, no, 
Here we go again. Then a snowball starts to roll. You lose set four, and all of a sudden you you got one set for one set for the match, and your opponent has all the momentum. Give credit to Temple, a tremendous performance, and to do it on the road. Everyone talks about coming back to oh, it's difficult. Do it on the road in a hostile environment that the venue has become over the last few years underneath under Coach da underneath Coach Todd Dagenet. That's difficult to do in any setting. But for the Temple to do it on the road against UCF, a big feather in that cap. And with the fact that there's no conference tournament for the American, it may be a big blow for UCF's chances to possibly get in that large bid. No question. They're 10 and 10. They got to get some wins. Yeah. And uh, they go on the road now. They go to Tulane, uh, to Houston on Friday night, 8 o'clock Eastern. And then Sunday, 1 o'clock Eastern at Tulane. That's a match that will be shown on the American Digital Network from New Orleans. If there's a good news is if – at least this happened on a Sunday. You didn't blow a two-set lead on a Friday and then have to come back and play on a That's Sunday. That's the worst. You've got a chance to recover, but now they got to head on the road. And you look at their schedule. You know they got to go to Houston. You got to go to Tulane, and then they go and they entertain the next volleyball home. October twenty-seventh, Wichita State. So let me get this straight. Hold on. So let me get this straight. Women's soccer is hosting USF. That's right. And UCF is going to be hosting a potentially top twenty-five ranked team in Wichita State. Right. Pretty good night, huh? Wow. Sounds like there might be some Facebook Live or Periscope. You, you have some options, there. fans. Uh, yeah. One of them is not sitting on your tail. You heard it there. Maybe that, yeah. It's, that's a pretty good I, I would be out there, but I am otherwise uh, You got a pre-commitment. Pre I understand. Uh, but don't, look, the point is this. Big stretch here. You know, at Houston, at Tulane, I think you got to build some. I almost feel like it's a, you got to win those two road matches. Yes. I know that's a lot to ask on the road at the conference. Get some two wins and get some confidence and get some momentum heading into that Wichita State where you're going to be swinging for the fences there yeah. to try to pull the upset and really make that marquee uh, jump there. Because after Wichita State, they host Memphis. Uh, they Then they go to Cincinnati, which has kind of recovered after losing Jordan Thompson for the year. And then the surprise team of the conference at East Carolina. So there's no gimmies here, but they, if they're going to make them run, you know, I think this is a big It has weekend. to be right now. It has to be right now. So uh, that's the story around all the sports going on uh, in UCF. We've hit football. We've hit, of course, Ben's basketball. We mentioned in women's basketball had their conference media day. You can go to the American Digital uh, co uh, Conference on YouTube for replays of that. We'll get into more basketball uh, in future episodes. Uh, well, Vic, that this has been fun. I, this is, I appreciate you uh, filling in for Jeff. I know Jeff will appreciate that very much. Thank you. Uh, you guys, you know, we all, you guys go web. I mean, you and Jeff kind of did a lot of the volleyball back in the day. You two are the volleyball guys. Maybe yeah, you guys me, do... Jeff, and then Matt Dunaway took over about 2000. You know, you and Jeff should consider maybe going into like a volleyball podcast. I've heard about this softball podcast. These two UCF alums do. I think that's. I heard that's doing pretty good for themselves. I heard that's doing pretty good for themselves. What is it again? In the circle. In the circle. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Might want to check that out. Are you softball? Fast pitch news, by the way. Fall ball. UCF softball. By the way, have home matches uh, not only this Friday, but also on the twenty seventh. If you needed another sporting event to go on, another sporting event that I cannot attend because I am preoccupied. Shame on you. Uh, but thanks again for you for uh, filling in for Jeff. I know he appreciates that. Thanks to Brian Murphy uh, for joining us on this episode. Keep it on Black and Gold Banneret on the on the website. You can see my articles as far as Murph's articles as well. Go on Twitter. We'll have, I'm sure there'll be a blog up during the game on Saturday as UCF takes on Navy and for all the latest news in UCF. So for everybody, I'm Eric Lopez saying so long. We'll talk to you next time on the Black and Gold Banneret. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. 